North Korea is the impossible state. It's a place that stumped leaders and policymakers for more than three decades. It has a complex history, and it has become the United States' top national security priority. Each week on this show, we'll talk with the people who know the most about North Korea. Welcome to another episode of the Impossible State Podcast. This is Victor Cha, Senior Vice President and Korea Chair at CSIS, professor at Georgetown University. Uh, welcome to all of our viewers and listeners back from the August summer break. And we're here to start a whole new series of podcasts and live podcast shows on the Impossible State. So we're really looking forward to it. Today, we're going to talk about um, um, a, 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 an important and difficult topic, I think, and that is South Korea's role in a Taiwan contingency. And we have today with us one of the few authors who's published uh, on this particular issue. There's really not a lot published on the issue, um, and, um, and he is one of the uh, experts, if you say, on the issue. Um, with us today is Dr. Sungmin Cho. Uh, Dr. Cho is a professor at the Daniel Inouye Asia-Pacific Center for Security Studies in Honolulu, Hawaii, otherwise known as APCSS, the congressionally funded think tank uh, and uh, institute for Indo-Pacific Studies. Uh, he joined APCSS in August of 2018. Prior to that, he was a lecturer at the Asian Studies Program at Georgetown uh, from 2016 to 2018. He's a widely published author uh, with works in journals such as World Politics, Journal of Contemporary China, The China Journal, Asian Security, and others. Um, he served, uh, Dr. Cho served in the Republic of Korea Army for three years, where he was deployed to Iraq as part of the Zaytun Division, uh, serving in northern Iraq. Uh, he received his PhD in government from Georgetown University, so we know he's well-trained. Um, and his master's degree in international relations from Peking University and BA from in political science from Korea University. Um, and probably not a lot of people know this about you, Sungmin, but you actually traveled by bicycle from Beijing to Nanjing in the winter, as well as along the border between China and North Korea in the summer of 2010, um, which in it of itself could be an entirely separate podcast episode. Um, uh, but anyway, thank you so much, Sungmin, for joining us. It's really good to see you uh, on the Impossible State podcast. Um, and so I, what I thought we'd do is talk about uh, some of the work that you've written on this topic of South Korea's role in a Taiwan contingency. Um, and let me start but for our viewers and listeners by stating your bottom line up front, which is that you say, in the event of a crisis in the Taiwan Strait, South Korea's primary focus should be to deter North Korea's aggression while providing rear area support uh, for U.S. operations. Um, so uh, that's your bottom line up front, and let's sort of talk about how you get to that, to that conclusion. So I, I guess the first thing I would ask you is, um, so that's your recommendation. Um, how should Korea do this? How would they both deter and provide rear area support uh, for the United States in a Taiwan Strait contingency. Yeah, um, <clears throat> thanks for having me, first of all. Sure. Um, so uh, I'd like to start with uh, what South Korea's 
official position on this issue is that so South Korea's vice uh, defense minister Shin Bum-chol uh, last year commented that South Korea has no discussion with U.S. forces Korea or U.S. government at all about uh, South Korea's role in Taiwan contingency. That, that has been the latest uh, information that I know about South Korea's official position. Um, so my study is purely based on uh, open source of information. There has been some South Korean academics uh, that have been studying this issue. So I collect discussion in South Korea, interview experts, and then put my own thought. And then it is not my recommendation. I should say it is most likely scenario that I will explain mm -hmm. more later. Mm -hmm. But to your question, what is uh, real area support? Um, it is, <clears throat> by, def by definition, South Korea will not join war fighting or combat mission. Uh, the assumption here is that U.S. forces Korea will be somehow involved. It's, it has a... Uh, combat planes, uh, attack helicopters, and rocket launchers, and some of these assets may or may not be transferred to support war efforts in Taiwan contingency. So under that, uh, if under that assumption, South, South Korea can provide a real area support, which includes base access or provision of ammunition, including cruise missiles, javelins, uh, and also non-combat evacuations. Um, South Korea can also support to augment U.S. reconnaissance capabilities because South Korea has a technological advancement in unmanned aerial vehicles or unmanned surface vessels. And also South Korea can support maintenance of the U.S. weapon system, including F-16, F-35, uh, because the South Korean technicians, they have been trained by the U.S. forces as well together. So there is a wide range of uh, real area support that South Korea can provide. Um, the difficult question is then how South Korea can maintain deterrence against North Korea while providing all this real area support. So there, there should be inevitable loss of capabilities for the U.S. forces Korea as well as South Korea to deter North Korea. So. If we are going to talk about South Korea's role, even if it is a real area support, uh, this discussion also prompts another discussion that South Korea's military capability should be significantly enhanced. That's why I made the argument uh, in the Foreign Affairs piece that I co-authored with Oriana Mastro that uh, the U.S. should consider some significant support like uh, acknowledging supporting uh, South Korea's uh, nuclear submarine, like uh, AUKUS. Um, so when I made this argument, um, I faced uh, criticism that so U.S. forces Korea can be involved in Taiwan contingency and South Korea will be also contribute to that efforts. Does it mean that um, there, there will be a, a decoupling uh, between the U.S. forces Korea's uh, mission uh, in one, one way to look at North Korea and also another Taiwan, Taiwan contingency? Um, I would counter-argue that it is not really decoupling of the missions or capabilities, but it's more about division of labor mm. and burden sharing. Mm. Because there is a new reality that we are facing that Taiwan contingency and contingency on the Korean Peninsula are increasingly linked. That was not the case before. So it is uh, the new reality that the alliance should manage to adjust. So discussion of Taiwan contingency already whether the crisis happens or not, discussion itself is an issue of alliance management. Mm -hmm. 
Yes, very interesting. So, um, um, very interesting points. And I, I want to ask you, so th this particular outcome, most likely outcome, you, you say, of um, d deterring North Korea while providing rear area support, this is presumably the better option. I guess the question here is like why this option, uh, or maybe you could lay out for uh, listeners and viewers, like what are the alternative options? What are the alternative outcomes that would be suboptimal for Korea from your perspective? Yes, um, so last year, um, uh, Japan and Australia, uh, former officials, experts, they start to comment on what they can do, what they should do in Taiwan contingency. So there was a um, rise of questions. Then what is South Korea going to do if Taiwan contingency happens? The question was what South Korea can do and what, what does South Korea want to do? But uh, for that question, I take a different approach that what, what South Korea cannot do right. in Taiwan contingency. And that if there is a crisis in Taiwan Strait, uh, one thing that South Korea cannot absolutely cannot do is that South Korea do nothing. So there is a crisis ongoing. U.S. forces are involved there. Japanese forces are involved there. And South Korea keep refusing that. We don't want to get involved. We, we, we don't want to do anything there. That would be true decoupling. Yes. And then uh, I can imagine that uh, that's, that can be a situation that so there will be a, a question about treaty and also question about the moral obligation that the U.S. has been so invested uh, in defending South Korea, and then now it, South Korea refused to uh, support U.S. And also the consequence of the crisis will be that if uh, China dominates, that it, is, it will be the sea lines of communication, which is so important for South Korea's economy, will be dominated by illegal regime in Beijing. But if, even if the U.S. wins the, uh, the crisis, that means South Korea end up free riding all these crisis efforts. So um, it is not the option for South Korea to do nothing. But at the same time, another aspect is that South, South Korea cannot do everything either. Because if uh, here, what I mean by South Korea do everything is to join combat mission by dispatch, dispatching South Korea's combat plane or naval ships, and they actually fight together with the PLA forces against PLA forces then China will surely retaliate using its naval forces and also using its missiles attacking South Korean bases. And also South, uh, China can also actively request or pressure North Korea to fight together. It is a fair game from their perspective. So the U.S. asks South Korea to fight together, then why not Beijing can ask North Korea to fight, fight together? So given all this situation, it is not even beneficial for the U.S. as well if South Korea directly joined the fight and China retaliates. That means creation of two front lines. Taiwan contingency expands to Korean crisis. So um, South Korea cannot do nothing and South Korea cannot do everything. Then the middle ground is that South Korea should can do something. And the real area support is the only viable option that South Korea can do in Taiwan contingency. Mm, interesting. You say, um, you just mentioned in your answer that the, the possibility that China might encourage North Korea in a situation like this. Um, are there, um, what have you seen in terms of uh, signs or signaling by North Korea of their support for China in a Taiwan contingency? Um, <clears throat> Yes, so uh, South Korea President uh, Moon Jae-in 
made a statement about the importance of uh, stability and peace in Taiwan contingency for South Korea for the first time last year, no, in 2021, May, two years ago. But even before that, um, North Korea starts to comment on Taiwan contingency and situation in Taiwan Strait and its implication for North Korea. Uh, for example, um, in October 2021, North Korea's Vice Foreign Minister Park Myung-ho uh, made this statement through state media that uh, the, all the concentrated forces in Taiwan Strait by the U.S. and then its uh, satellite allies can be can any time direct to North Korea. Uh, I don't know why they suspect that, but that's their suspicion. And then that's why they s comment that they cannot allow the U.S. forces intervention in inter internal affairs of other country. Uh, and then when uh, the U.S. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi visited Taiwan. Um, Kim Jong-un uh, criticized that and also sent a letter of solidarity to Beijing. So I see this as, as a signal that North Korea is uh, ready to support Beijing in uh, Taiwan contingency. And we can think of many reasons why North Korea is motivated to do that. Uh, the U.S. forces will be distracted if there, there is a crisis in Taiwan contingency, Taiwan Strait. Uh, and also, uh, it is a good opportunity for North Korea to support China, which is a rare opportunity. And also, um, North Korea can pressure South Korea very significantly when, if there is a, uh, a crisis in Taiwan Strait, and then North Korea conduct uh, another military provocation. And the fourth, the most important reason is that uh, North Korea has its its own agenda. So uh, um, many people know that. Uh, in January 2021, uh, during the Eighth Party Congress, uh, Kim Jong-un laid out that what he wanna do, wants to do to improve North Korea's military capabilities. And then he gave all the menu, like uh, developing super large hydrogen bomb, uh, a hypersonic missile vehicle that he already did, and also miniaturizing nuclear weapon, uh, SLBM. So, he is keep pushing to realize all these uh, military cap capabilities that he announced to achieve. And then the crisis in Taiwan Strait gave him more opportunities to really accelerate his uh, military agenda. Um, when I make this argument, I, I faced the uh, two criticisms, uh, counter-arguments. One counter-argument was that from Beijing's perspective, it is not really helping Beijing if North Korea conducts military provocation and expand uh, front line to, ex to North Korean Peninsula as well. But the, the interesting dynamic here is that even if Beijing oppose North Korea's military provocation during time of contingency, North Korea has a long history to ignore whatever Beijing's preference is, and when it needs, it just do whatever it needs to do. And then Beijing cannot really oppose uh, officially if North Korea take advantage of crisis in Taiwan Strait. Um, it is just awkward that uh, while I'm having this crisis here, uh, North Korea is uh, supposedly officially helping China, then China cannot be really express its frustration or upset. It's almost like a fait accompli entrapment sort e of strategy. Exactly. Yeah. Knowing that yeah. Kim Jong-un, having his own motivation, can push forward with military provocation, whether Beijing agrees or not. Yeah. But the second criticism counter-argument is that 
Kim, it is also very risky move, movement for Kim Jong-un as well, while we are all having this discussion already. So uh, if you are not Kim Jong-un, you cannot really say what Kim Jong-un is going, going to do. Kim Jong-un can be also uh, try to be calm and then uh, avoid any more crisis. Well, to that counter argument, we can say that if Kim Jong-un is careful, that's good for us. Uh, but as a from defense perspective and strategic planning purpose, we cannot uh, hang our preparation on the positive scenario. That so, you know, to prepare for the worst and worst scenario, it is still better uh, to assume the worst case scenario and then um, think North Korea can take advantage of crisis in Taiwan contingency. Mm -hmm. Um, you mentioned earlier that um, the, at the very beginning that the South Korean government has not talked much about this particular issue, um, aside from you know a statement that our friend Shin Bun Chol made, uh, Vice Defense Minister. Uh, at the same time, though, my sense is that President Yun is even more forward-leaning on these issues than his bureaucracy is. What, um, what have you gotten a sense of in terms of the statements that the president has made thus far on the issue of Taiwan? Yeah, um, <clears throat> so looking, looking back, all the statements made by South Korean president from Moon, Moon Jae-in mm -hmm. and also uh, other senior officials, there has been a gradual progression that South Korea's position is moving inch by inch to uh, align closer with the U.S. position. Mm. So, uh, like I said before, President Moon Jae-in, for the first time, uh, agreed to include the importance of peace and stability of Taiwan Strait in the joint statement uh, after summit in May 2021. Uh, but right after that summit, uh, during the uh, domestic back briefing, the uh, Foreign Minister Chung Uyong uh, also backtracked that statement by saying that uh, we understand uh, the unique relations between China and Taiwan, and then South, Korea, South Korea's position has not changed at all, uh, and that we value the stability and peace of Taiwan Strait shared by everyone, uh, implicitly including China. So uh, President made this re remark, and then uh, the other senior official somehow toned down this, the implication of the remark. Um, and in 2022, in May, uh, President Yoon Song yeol also uh, uh, agreed to in include the same phase, uh, phrase in the joint statement that South Korea values uh, the peace and stability of Taiwan Strait. Uh, that was May in 2022, but he did not meet with um, uh, U.S. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi when she visited Korea. So there was uh, some uh, controversy and debate about that. Uh, but th this year, in April, uh, President Yoon Song yeol did not mince the word when he had an interview with Reuters that he commented, um, Taiwan contingency crisis in Taiwan Strait uh, is an international issue similar to North Korea. It, is, it has an implication beyond the region. And of course, this uh, comment uh, framing Taiwan crisis as an international issue uh, immediately prompt Beijing's furious uh, remark and, and criticism. But as you can see, there has been progression, uh, more and more clear statement of South Korea's position. Uh, the next um, change maybe what I'm expecting is that when 
there is a question about South Korea's having discussion with U.S. about Taiwan contingency scenario. I expect um, uh, if someone like uh, Shin Bom Chol say uh, changing his comment from we have no discussion at all, and then he can also comment like we have this we have discussion about every possible scenario about everything. It is a positive ambiguity. Mm. So if such mm. a remark is coming out from South Korea. I'll take it as another uh, progression in this South Korea's position uh, changing towards uh, the U.S. position. Mm, yeah. Was there um, – they repeated the language on Taiwan in the Camp David trilateral, right? Uh, and there was new language on economic coercion in South China Sea, I think. But, but okay, that's a point well taken. And so we'll, we'll look for that. We look, we'll look for that sort of subtle – shift in the language because that would tell us something because it's inconceivable to me at least that they're not having conversations about it behind closed doors it's not something that's recorded in a joint statement but it's hard for me to imagine that they're not having conversations about it right now so we'll look for that subtle change in language um uh so uh, we've talked a lot around the topic of uh we've talked a lot about taiwan contingency around the topic of china let me ask you um so um how do you think China would, so how would China react to some of this work that you've done and how would China react to the idea of South Korea providing rear area support for U.S. forces in a Taiwan contingency? Um, would, they consider, uh, would they consider South Korea an adversary at that point? Would they consider them a party in the war? What, like what, what do you think would be their reaction? Yeah, <clears throat> I think uh, the whole idea of this uh, real area of support is to give uh, some hesitation and dilemma, strategic dilemma to Beijing. Mm. So if South Korea provides direct support, war fighting support for the U.S., uh, not real area indirect support, then South, uh, China has no, no option but to just attack uh, South Korean bases. Um, from operational perspectives, China needs to do that to cut off uh, the additional support from South Korea and by using its uh, naval forces or missile forces, uh, like I mentioned before. Um, and also, so there is operational and capability part, but if South Korea really joins with the war f for the war fighting uh, mission, that will really upset the whole Chinese people as well because they see South Korea as the weakest link in the U.S. alliance system. I mean, they, uh, the Chinese uh, official media and Chinese color, they openly uh, say that South Korea is the weakest link. So uh, if South Korea provides direct warfighting support, then China has no option but to attack. But if South Korea provides real area support, then China can still choose to whether attack or not. If, so if uh, South if China attacks South Korean bases for the non-combat missions like uh, non-combatant evacuation or base access, for that reason, if China attacks South Korean bases, then South Korea has no option but to engage full, with the full mission for the combat uh, operations. So it is China's choice whether to expand this crisis to the Korean Peninsula or not. Mm. So there is a question about proportional response. Um, and then that will be a very hard situation for Beijing. That is why Beijing has been very actively sent threatening signal. Only except Xi Jinping, uh, uh, China's top leaders like Xi Jinping or other senior leaders, Chinese scholars, Chinese state media, 
they have published so many warning, threatening uh, messages by far. If South China, uh, South Korea supports, I mean, intervenes in Taiwan affairs, then it will be South Korea that will pay the price. And then they uh, they clearly uh, signaling that China f start with economic retaliation, and that's the point where. Uh, your argument about collective resilience uh, resilience strategy should uh, uh, come in that in order to address um, uh, South Korea's role in Taiwan contingency or any other uh, China-related issue, it is uh, urgent for South Korea and also other U.S. allies as well to address China's economic retaliation. Um, that um, so so. The whole discussion about Taiwan contingency uh, somehow quickly leads to this uh, need to discuss uh, this idea of a collective resilience strategy. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and then um, the, the last question I want to ask you is that you, you have in your work cited some interesting poll numbers with regard to how the South Korean public feels about this. These days, all we hear about when we hear about the South Korean public is their views on nuclear weapons, because those have been uh, widely publicized polls. Um, but you um, uh, uh, discovered some interesting data with regard to how the South Korean public thinks about, uh, you, know, you know, China and the Taiwan contingency that I think is pretty counterintuitive. So maybe you could tell tell our viewers a little bit about that. Uh, yes. Yeah, so uh, while I'm researching uh, this topic. So I was f also curious what South Korean people think about this issue. Uh, and then, to my knowledge, there has been only one uh, public survey about this question. But the questions are very clear that uh, there are some op uh, options for South Korean respondents to answer that uh, whether do you oppose South Korea's any involvement in Taiwan contingency, or if South Korea is involved then do you support South Korea's direct involvement in war fighting, or should it be limited to real area support? So the survey was conducted uh, by Chungang uh, Daily and then East Asia Institute mm. in August in 2022, last year. And then the finding was uh, very surprising to me that only 18% of uh, South Korean uh, respondents say they oppose. And then 22% say uh, they support South Korea's uh, uh, joining military operations with the U.S., and the 42 percent say uh, South Korea can be involved, but the uh, support should be limited to real area support, which is uh, consistent with my analysis that that we, there is likely to be the most likely scenario. But still, it is surprising. Uh, my, my assumption was that um, Instead of 65% in total support South Korea's involvement, I thought they would oppose. So um, there are many ways to interpret uh, this uh, counterintuitive finding. And then some people may point to the rise of anti-China sentiment in South Korea, which is repeatedly confirmed in other surveys. But I doubt that South Koreans, they, they think South Korea should, should be involved in Taiwan contingency only because they have a much less favorable view of China these days. There was a time that uh, South Korean people have even more favorable view of China than the US, like mid-2000s uh, or early 2000s. Um, I interpret this as a, um, 
even even though South Korea, uh, their their ultimate wish is to not to see any contingency in Taiwan Strait, um, they they know very well how tragic that situation can be. That Chinese soldiers are killing Taiwanese soldiers and people in the name of national unification. That tragedy has been already shared. I mean, South Korean people experience that. So if they can pray, they, they would really pray there should be no uh, whatsoever military conflict in Taiwan, uh, Taiwan Strait. But they, at the same time, they accept the reality that if there is a contingency, it, it is very unlikely that South Korea will do nothing so I think uh, my interpretation is that this survey reflects South Korean people's realist instinct. But of course, the, this assumption should be tested more. Mm, yeah. I mean, it's interesting. Like you said, when you put together the 18% number, uh, no, I'm sorry, the 22% number with the 42% number, that's you know a vast majority of Koreans saying that Korea is going to have some role, right, in, in whether it's direct or indirect. Uh, involvement in a in a Taiwan contingency, and and I do agree with you. I think part of it has to do with this sort of sea change in South Korean popular view on China, the uh, all like sort of the residual uh, from Thad is still from the Thad uh, sanctions are still there, um, but in some of CSIS's own sort of strategic elite polling, although it's a bit old now, some of it. Um, one of the findings there that was most interesting to me was on Taiwan, where strategic elites were asked um, uh, what what sort of stakes, what was at stake if uh, if there were um, a forceful takeover of Taiwan. And what was interesting there was strategic elites from countries friendly to the United States, like Japan and South Korea, to countries not so friendly to the United States. Uh, the view was uniform, right? That this would be a major have major implications for credibility of the United States uh, and the stability of, of order in right. the region. Um, and so I think, uh, and that was regardless of political view, countries that were close to China, countries that weren't close to China, everybody kind of felt the same way. So that may also be something that is uh, that is in the minds of Koreans when they think about this particular contingency. Um, um, uh, this, this is really terrific work, Sungmin. I'm really glad that you're doing it. Uh, and um, uh, and I hope that you continue to do it. Uh, we were able to take a little bit of a, a deep dive scratch beneath the surface on the show today, um, but please keep us posted on more work that you're doing on this. Um, uh, really great, really great work. Um, so that's it for this week of The Impossible State. Thank you to all our viewers and listeners. Uh, we look, fo look forward to seeing you on the next episode where we will talk, be talking about a new book that's written by uh, Song Yun Lee uh, about the uh, uh, it's called The Sister, uh, and it's about the, it's a story of the North Korean leader Kim Jong-un's sister, Kim Yo-jong, uh, on the next episode of The Impossible State. So for until then, thank you for joining us, and we look forward to seeing you in a couple of weeks.